Hello and welcome to the Lancet Global Health Podcast. I'm Iman Wright. It's November 2021. And today I have with me Leo Martinez, Assistant Professor of the Department of Epidemiology at the School of Public Health at Boston University, and Heather Zarr, Professor and Chair of the Department of Pediatrics and Child Health and Director of the SAMRC Childhood and Adolescent Unit at the University of Cape Town, South Africa, on their study on cytomegalovirus acquisition and in infants and the risk of tuberculosis in childhood in Cape Town, South Africa. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Can I start by asking you to set the scene for the study? Can you describe the location, local population, and risk of tuberculosis in childhood? Sure. So this study was done um, in an area outside Cape Town, South Africa, a low socioeconomic population in a birth cohort that we established about 10 years ago called the Drakenstein Child Health Study. Um, Now, in the study, we enrolled pregnant women in the second trimester. We followed them through pregnancy and delivery and have continued to follow mothers and their children up to now. Um, The children are currently approaching nine years of age. And so this community is a poor socioeconomic community. There's a high prevalence of HIV infection in moms, around 22%. There are high risk factors for childhood pneumonia, like a lot of exposure to uh, maternal smoking, to indoor air pollution. But the community are also distinguished in that it has a very strong primary health care program. So, for example, the prevention of mother-to-child HIV transmission program is extremely strong, so much so that in the cohort, which is originally just over a thousand mothers, there are only two HIV-infected children, showing you how strong the program is. Similarly, childhood immunization coverage is exceptionally high, approaching 99 to 100% for all childhood vaccinations. And highly relevant to the current paper that we're going to talk about is BCG. Uh, in which all children, for example, were uh, received BCG at birth. And generally, the nutrition of children in this cohort is also um, reasonable. There is no severe malnutrition, in part because we follow this community very closely and we we intervene if, if a child's does start to develop severe malnutrition, but also in part because of a very strong primary health care program that I've described. So we were really amazed when we looked at the incidence of TB disease in this cohort. And so we followed these children from birth until um, through childhood. And what did we find? We found one, some of the highest TB disease rates in the world. The rates are one and a half thousand per hundred thousand uh, population in children under five. In children under one, they're double that. These are extraordinarily high rates. The annual risk of infection, that is the risk for uh, developing a tuberculin skin test positive result, is around 11%. So despite no HIV infection in the children, relatively good nutrition, good immunization, we have this extraordinary burden of TB. 
And the other interesting finding that we had, and, and this cohort, one of the key questions was, how much pneumonia is there? Um, and if there is pneumonia, what is the residual etiology of it, given that all these children are so well immunized, including with pneumococcal conjugate vaccine 13 valent? Uh, and we were, again, really surprised to find very high incidence of childhood pneumonia. Almost one in two children develops pneumonia in the first year of life. This is largely mild pneumonia, ambulatory, about 20-25% is, is, uh, requires hospitalization. But related to TB, what we found is that TB was strongly associated with acute pneumonia. And so what we're increasingly recognizing is that TB causes acute pneumonia in, in children and in young children in communities with high TB burden. Can you describe the main findings of the study? Yeah, of course. So there's a, a large body of empirical evidence that suggests that individuals that are at higher, highest risk to develop TB in the very first years of life. And so for this reason, TB is considered among the top 10 causes of global pediatric mortality, and it is really a, a major public health concern globally. But I think what is not well explored and, and what we were really interested in is the cause for this increased risk. Why are these young children at highest risk? And this has really impeded our ability to develop targeted public health interventions for young children at high risk for TB. We hypothesize that one potential contributor to this increased risk of TB in early life is the acquisition of viral infections. So, and specifically, we wanted to look at cytomegalovirus. Young children who acquire cytomegalovirus in the first few months of life, they may be impacted immunologically by this exposure to the virus. And, and that could potentially put them at higher risk for other diseases like TB. Or that was the hypothesis we wanted to test at least. And so in this birth court, we followed approximately 1,000 pregnant women until they gave birth and then followed their children. And in the first two years of life, we serially tested children for cytomegalovirus. And the, the median number of cytomegalovirus tests per child was six. And so these children were really tested very thoroughly for cytomegalovirus. And we found that 40% of the infants in our cohort acquired cytomegalovirus in the first year of life. And next, we follow these children for a median of almost seven years from birth for TB disease. And we found this really striking results. Children that tested cytomegalovirus positive in the first year of life were at over three times higher risk of subsequently developing TB in childhood after one year. And children with a high cytomegalovirus load were at especially high risk of developing TB. And we, we estimated what's called the population attributable fraction, which basically asks what proportion of TB after one year of age was attributable to cytomegalovirus in infancy. And again, the, the results were fairly striking. We found the answer to be approximately 40% of TB after one year of age was attributable to cytomegalovirus in infancy. Why were children with high cytomegalovirus, especially low to tuberculosis? Yeah, thanks for this question. It's, it's really a good one. This results 
suggests there may be a dose-response effect between cytomegalovirus and TB. Children impacted more heavily by cytomegalovirus, at least as seen from how much virus they have, were at higher risk of TB disease later on. And we believe these results suggest children who develop cytomegalovirus in the first few months of life, and especially those that were exposed to a, a great deal of the virus, may be potentially weakened immunologically by this exposure, leading to a higher risk of TB disease. We tested multiple other hypotheses that could potentially explain these results. So, for example, one hypothesis we discussed was that TB and cytomegalovirus may have been acquired from the same source. So, for example, at daycare or from household contact. However, when we tested this hypothesis by collecting data on household contacts and, and TB infection, we found that this was unlikely. Um, another hypothesis could be that cytomegalovirus impacts the effectiveness of BCG vaccination, which we, we know protects young children from, from TB disease. But again, our data did not support this hypothesis. I think it's important to point out that we did not have immunological data on these children before and after acquiring cytomegalovirus, which, which would have provided supplementary and, and more definitive evidence of an immunological cause of this relationship. However, our data suggests that this is the most likely explanation for our results, but for these are, are needed to really confirm this hypothesis. Socioeconomic status, family size, and household income are known to be associated with tuberculosis. However, your study found the same was not true for cytomegalovirus. What does this tell us about tuberculosis and other infectious diseases? Yeah, we were surprised that these important characteristics, uh, largely representative of poverty, were not related to cytomegalovirus. I think this, this really suggests that these characteristics are unlikely to be confounding or impacting the relationship we see between cytomegalovirus and TB in our cohort. I don't think we can say much about the relationship between TB and infectious diseases other than cytomegalovirus from the data in this study. We didn't look at detail at other infectious diseases in this specific manuscript other than cytomegalovirus and TB. However, I think our data really suggests that TB does not work independently from other pathogens. Many infections and diseases are common and, and co-occur within communities. And so understanding how they interact with one another is, is really critical for grasping the full picture of disease in a population. What are the broader public health implications for children and countries with a high burden of tuberculosis? Thank you. That's really a really important um, question. And I think is a key um, thing to ask following this research. So as, as Leo has said, what we found is that early life cytomegalovirus infection is associated with subsequent TB down the line after a year of age in children. And we know that this early life CMV is largely acquired either um, you can acquire CMV either uh, through the placenta and that's congenital CMV from an infected mom or 
early after life. And in fact, in our study, there was a strong association between CMV infection in children and breastfeeding. And we know that's one of the ways in which CMV is transmitted. So a very small proportion of children, in fact, had congenital CMV and that we defined as CMV within the first three weeks of life. And the majority got CMV infected thereafter in the perinatal period, uh, presumably from breastfeeding or from household contact. Given that we've now shown this association and also this dose response of early life CMV infection and subsequent TB disease, and just to highlight, this is TB disease. We're not talking about tuberculin skin test conversion. We're talking about pulmonary disease. The question is, if this association is true, and if, as we hypothesize, CMV is, is, is mediating an immune response that is then allowing uh, TB to develop, TB disease to develop, if we prevent CMV, early life CMV, could we in fact reduce the burden of TB disease substantially in children? And, and as Leo has said, the populational attributable fraction calculation suggests that up to 40%, which is a huge amount of the burden, could be, could be ascribed to CMV infection. And so what are the potential public health measures that we could do to prevent early life CMV? So one option that has, there's a single randomized controlled trial of this, is to treat pregnant women who have CMV infection with valacyclovir, which is an antiviral agent. And there's a small trial published in The Lancet, but that shows much efficacy, I think around 80% efficacy, or if I remember correctly, for prevention of infection in utero. If, if this was given to pregnant women um, during pregnancy. So that, so that may be one option. The second option, issue is how do we prevent perinatal infection once babies are born? And here again, I think there's been, there is a lot of ongoing work in the area of CMV vaccines. And I think we're really in the era of incredible progress in terms of vaccines. One one advantage, if there is any advantage of COVID, but but clearly this is, you know, COVID has, has absolutely uh, accelerated the pace of vaccine development against viruses. So I think the potential for development of a vaccine, a CMV, uh, a vaccine that targets CMV is an important area. Um, the other area is, of course, treatment of, of infected children early with with an antiviral like valgancyclovir. And, and valgancyclovir has been shown to be safe and effective uh, in pregnant women. And it's, it's, it's you know, wide, has been widely used in, 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 in other uh, settings, for example, in HIV infected children with CMV uh, pneumonia. And we know that, you know, that it's well tolerated and safe. So I think the, the potential for different public health interventions, of course, we need more trials, more data. But I think our study opens up a whole lot of questions that, that need to be answered, uh, bearing in mind that CMV is also the commonest congenital infection in, in, in infants, that congenital CMV still causes substantial um, illness and devastating illness, deafness, neurological deficits, and that postnatal CMV is, is often asymptomatic, usually asymptomatic, doesn't cause that kind of devastating disease, but seems to immune dysregulate babies so as to predispose them to other diseases in, in our setting, TB disease. So very exciting potential.
potential, I think, for and, and, and a great need for stronger measures to prevent CMV, both in pregnant women and in, in babies. Thank you, Leo and Heather. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks. Thank you so and, much. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more, you can find the full study on the Lancet website. Thank you.